ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 43 of the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. I'm Nick Grisco at Fantasy Law Guy on Instagram. Today's show, three recaps, top 170 fantasy assets, and some major I keep dropped the ball! Oh, I keep dropped the ball! He did what? Playoffs? What do talk about? Playoffs? Who the hell is Mel Kiper? They are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It's my quarterback. What the hell's going on out here? I cannot play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Can't wait. You like that? You like that? Just keep a trickling the ball down the field, boy. I saw, son. I saw. Hello? You play to win the game. Hardly. Sends the Saints to the Super Bowl. Welcome into the Fantasy Law Guy podcast. It is Wednesday, October 7th, and we have some major news in the NFL. First, I'll get to some injuries. Austin Eckler is supposed to be out for six or so weeks. Nick Chubb, same thing with him. And Julio Jones is mispracticed today. It looks, I wouldn't be surprised if he is out two or three games to get that hamstring injury right. The Washington football team has benched Dwayne Haskins for Kyle Allen. I think that's a net neutral impact on their fantasy values there with Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin. It may even be a positive, but I'm taking this as just kind of a cancellation or a wash there. And the Texans have fired Bill O'Brien. From their head coaching position, he was also the GM and pretty much he had like every role in the Texans organization. He's been terrible at all of them for the last couple of years. The Texans have won games over the last couple of years, which has kept his stay longer. But most of those wins were due to Deshaun Watson's brilliance and DeAndre Hopkins, who he traded away. Laramie Tunsil, he traded away. The Texans don't have a first round pick in the upcoming April's NFL Draft. However, that kind of sucks for them because they're 0-4. That could end up being a top-five pick. They traded that pick to Miami, and now Miami could end up having two picks in the top 10. It could be even better. But yeah, the Texans just, they don't have a defense. You know, They have two or three good defensive players. They have Deshaun Watson, which is the quarterback, and that's what you want if you're trying to take this job. But they have no draft capital, really. I think they don't have a second-round pick as well. And... There's just not a lot of pieces to work with other than the quarterback, which is the most important thing, but they just have a lot of work to do and very little draft capital to do it with. But that's not the biggest news of the day. The biggest news of the day, unfortunately, has to do with COVID-19. This is really starting to tick me off. And it is starting to really impact and hit the National Football League. ESPN's Deanna Russini was reporting that two more Titans players tested positive for COVID-19, and that puts the Titans at 11 total players with the virus. And Tennessee was expected to return to their facility on Wednesday, but that's just not going to happen. And their Week 5 game with Buffalo is now officially in jeopardy of not being played. And now let's look at the big picture here. The Titans, they've already had their bye week, and they rescheduled their Week 4 game with the Steelers in Week 7. But because they've already had their bye week, we can't just do that again this week that's not an option this week so there have been rumors circulating around nfl rumor mill and they are just rumors but one of the options here supposedly is for the titans to have to be forced to forfeit this week's game against the buffalo bills no way i don't believe it and that would be just tragic 
for fantasy football. That would be the worst case for fantasy football because it means that it would be another week without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Johnny Smith, A.J. Brown. And you have to look at the other side too. Josh Allen, an MVP frontrunner, he would also not be able to play, obviously, if this game got canceled or if the game was forfeited by the Titans. And the Bills players would get essentially a second bye week. One this week and one later. I believe their bye is later in the season. I think it's like week 11 or 10 or something like that. But Josh Allen would have to miss this week. Devin Singletary, Stephon Diggs. It's just brutal. Especially for me and regular listeners and followers of my draft guide who may have Derrick Henry, who may have Josh Allen, who may have Johnny Smith on their team. You are certainly in position to get them. I was high on all of them. And we do not want the NFL to cancel this game. But they may, if more positive tests keep appearing in the next few days. Because here's the difference. They can't give the Titans another bye week, like I said. But here's the real difference. They also can't move this game to Monday or Tuesday because the Bills are supposed to play on Thursday Night Football next week. And that would be too short of a turnaround. And the other factor is that the league has already said that they are there may be discipline for Tennessee for violating the COVID protocols. And now people, including myself, you know, I guess we figure that this would be more in the way of fining the team, and that would be the penalty. But, but they may send a message here by forcing Tennessee to forfeit this game, but mainly in an effort to kind of reset the schedule for the Titans, and that would just totally suck. By the way, fun fact about forfeiting, I think I read this in an NFL book like back when I was like 12 years old, but it kind of just stuck with me. But I'm pretty sure if a team forfeits, the score is something like really weird. It's either like 1-0 to zero, or two to zero, maybe it's three to zero, but it's some kind of weird score like that. And that would go down, you know, in the record books or in the stats this year, as it would be a, if that were to happen, it would be a two to zero win by the Buffalo Bills, or maybe it's one zero, maybe it's three zero. I'm not really sure, but that's how it would look in case you're wondering. And maybe they changed that rule, but I remember reading that in some kind of like football almanac back when I was a kid and thinking about if this would ever happen and for what reason would this possibly happen. And here we are, 2020. But the thing I don't understand, though, is that the NFL and the NFL PA, the Players Association, they negotiated a mini CBA this offseason for COVID, right? Like they spent some of the summer figuring out what the protocols were going to be, if we were going to have a preseason, how do you work out? What kind of testing is going to be done? All of that stuff, the social distancing in the locker room, all of that stuff was negotiated and agreed upon by the Players Association and the National Football League owners. And here's the weird part about it. One of the main concessions, actually, I don't want to say it's a concession, but one of the main things that they did, which is a benefit to all, was they added players to the practice squad. They increased the size of the practice squad knowing that some players were going to test positive, so you need a next man up philosophy, and you need to be able to put more players on the active roster. And the way to do that is to be able to allow teams to have more players on their practice squad so they can promote them if need be. And I'm actually really surprised how conservative the NFL is being about this. Like if, if it's an outbreak like Tennessee, then you know maybe I get it. But we were supposed to, I I was under the impression, and I think the league gave us the impression that if there were a couple of tests, that those players were going to sit out in quarantine and get on this COVID quarantine list that you made specifically for the season. And then the game was supposed to just, we were supposed to move on. The game was supposed to be played without those players. And it would suck if it's like a quarterback or something like that, like we've seen with Cam Newton. 
But the NFL has always just been a next man up type of league. And they were going to move this Chiefs and Patriots game after two positive tests. Like, like if one more Patriots player other than Cam Newton would have tested positive the next day when that game was kind of uncertain whether it was going to be played, they were going to move that game. And that would have been three total tests between the two teams. Three total positive tests. And I just think that that's very surprising for a traditionally money-hungry, greedy pig of a league that is the NFL. And I mean, are they really that concerned about player health all of a sudden? They haven't been that concerned about past player health, concussions, all this, all these other things that they've done to either kick the can down the road or just kind of mitigate the damages or not really put an emphasis on player safety. And I know you're going to bring up all the rule changes and stuff like that, but that was pressured. And maybe this is pressured too by a bunch of impending lawsuits that would happen. And maybe it's a PR thing. They don't want this thing to spread rapidly because then, you know, we've seen what happens with other sports. We've seen how the media is taking this kind of thing. I don't know, man. I just feel like the league, they had to know with the way this virus spreads and the amount of tests that they're performing, you know, sometimes two or three tests a day when the players are in the facilities, at least. They had to know that some teams were going to have players test positive. So I'm just really surprised how rapidly the league is canceling or postponing games. I mean, it just doesn't even seem like an option for them to continue moving on playing the games if there's just a few positive tests. And that was the impression that I think we all got was going to be the case. Like for fantasy football, for example, I added IR spots to my leagues. We have three IR spots knowing that some players were going to miss time because of COVID. But it hasn't been a player situation. It's been a whole team situation. And the really interesting thing about this, and the thing that makes the league look bad, in my opinion, is that if they figured they were going to be this trigger-happy, that this reactionary, then why didn't they add a league-wide second bye week or a week off in like week 10, or maybe even again in week 18, like the week before the wildcard weekend for the playoffs, to play any replacement games? The whole league would have been off. It's just a, a, a fill-in week where you schedule no games and you can play all your replacement games there. Like maybe they should just do that now. It seems like a relatively easy fix if you're not married to your schedule. I mean, yeah, you have to move the playoffs back. And I understand there's TV contracts. These dates are set way in advance. You have to renegotiate that kind of stuff. I get it. But I don't think the networks are going to have any problem just moving the dates back. I think they're going to want the games. And changing the dates for the stadiums doesn't seem that complicated either as it normally would be because there's no other concerts. There's no other events really that are that the NFL has to really compete with. In, in hindsight, it is 2020, literally, but the NFL is just kind of kicking the can down the road and just making subjective decision make or subjectively deciding to postpone or cancel or cause other teams to forfeit games on the fly. Like it's totally on the fly. And that kind of situation is adding so much unnecessary chaos to the season. Like there are certain days. Or if there are certain days that every player has to test, why aren't there rules about, okay, if X players test positive by Thursday, then we postpone the game. Or if, like, let's say over five people, players test positive on one team by Thursday, then we postpone the game. But under five, we're going to play it. And those players are just going to sit out in quarantine. But even if they do post the game, we have no idea when it will be. There are no standards in place. We have no idea if they're going to shift bye weeks, affect other teams. If they postpone it, you know, what other teams does it affect? You know, it's just totally, are you going to force teams to forfeit? Like this is just coming out of the blue. All of a sudden the Titans think they have a bye, but now they have to forfeit a game. I mean, it's just totally madness. But the NFL 
is doing fantasy managers like a total disservice. And that's why I'm just so kind of passionate and kind of mad about this situation. It's such a disservice by being so reactionary and not planning, you know, off weeks in advance for this attempt to have a full season during a global pandemic. Like no foreshadowing there, no planning in advance, no forward thinking people there like could have seen this coming. I, I don't buy that for a second. It just doesn't, I mean, I guess I should buy that because that's the reality of the situation. But I mean, that's my rant here. I'm just already getting frustrated with all of these early buys and forfeits because they're affecting, you know, some of my highest rostered players. Like we aren't saying any games between the Jaguars or Dolphins or Broncos or Jets, the two last Thursday night football games. Those games aren't the ones being forfeited or postponed, right? And I know that's a selfish way of looking at it because we're seeing Derrick Henry, Josh Allen, James Conner, my boys, we're seeing those guys, you know, have bad news. But I guess I'm just frustrated from like with the NFL, not because you you know it's not difficult. It's obviously hard to deal with a global pandemic. I'm not blaming them for you know just being totally caught off guard. A lot of the stuff is unpredictable. However, a lot of this was predictable though, right? And we in coming into the fantasy football season, we thought that this was going to be more of a player specific situation. Like I said, where you know maybe the players who do contract COVID, who are who do test positives, and they, they do need a quarantine. They have the COVID list for that reason, and they sit out and we move forward with the games. But no, that's not what the league is doing. So this is just a full game situation, and it's just kind of aggravating that they didn't kind of warn us in advance. It seems like it was just like, oh, the players will either sit out or, you know, if it gets too bad, we're going to cancel the season. And they're doing some in-between thing where they're just trying to mix and match the schedule, maybe force teams to forfeit. I mean, that would just be the worst-case scenario. That would make me really mad if we have a forfeit. If they move games around, okay, you know, it's whatever. They're not married to the schedule. Uh, That's actually a good thing. You know, we can work with that. But if they start making teams forfeit, man, I mean, I'm going to be tilting here. I already kind of am. And and the potentially more bad news is coming, right? Like Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore. This morning, last year's Defensive Player of the Year, he tested positive for COVID-19. So he and Cam Newton likely out this week if they even play the game against the Broncos on Sunday, if that game's even played. And then an undisclosed player for the Vegas Raiders, Mark Maurice Hurst, their starting defensive tackle, he's already tested positive. But then another today, undisclosed player, another t- positive test of COVID-19 for the Raiders. And the Raiders play the Chiefs this week. So all of a sudden, that game is in a little jeopardy as well. Same situation as last week for the Chiefs, possibly for this. For the Broncos, Patriots, and for the Raiders and Chiefs, it may get moved to Monday and Tuesday. And it may get played. It may not get played this week. Like scored for this week, week five of fantasy football. So potentially three games as of now that may not be played this week. So we as fantasy managers need to prepare to be without our Titans, our Bills, Raiders, Chiefs, Broncos, Patriots. And that's some big names included in those teams. Pat Mahomes. And everybody's showing the picture with Stephon Gilmore, who just tested positive basically making out with Pat Mahomes at the end of last week's game where they got up all in each other's face, you know, telling each other congratulations, good game, that kind of stuff. And there's ESPN's already reporting into the the sex life, the love life with Pat Mahomes. They're talking about how he's sleeping in different beds with his wife because she's pregnant and she doesn't want to contract COVID and the Chiefs had a positive test already on their team last week. That makes me kind of nervous that Pat Mahomes could test positive and then he could be out for one or two weeks. But I guess if the game's played, it doesn't really matter. But there's other other big names, too. Pat Mahomes, also Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, A.J. Brown. Total studs right there for fantasy football. May not be playing this week. Jonu Smith, Darren Waller, not to mention the Chiefs and Patriots defenses. 
and Harrison Butt kicker, kicker for the Chiefs there. And we need backups for those players. We also need to start convincing your commissioners to allow for backup or alternatives to be designated if a game gets postponed uh, to Monday or Tuesday. And we go into Sunday not knowing whether that game will be further postponed beyond the fantasy football week that's scored or canceled altogether or forfeited or whatever they do. And I mentioned this exact rule in my leagues, like what they're doing. I mentioned on my Sunday morning pod in full description if you want to go back to look at that. But basically, in that specific scenario where I just described, the game gets moved to Monday or Tuesday. But on Sunday, we don't know if the game is actually going to be played. And that that seems like the league's initial strategy. So we'll see this for a bit, I think. But in that case, the roster managers that have a player in that postponed game, like say Travis Kelsey, tied in for the Chiefs, for example, you should allow your league members to designate a backup player, an alternate for Travis Kelsey if Kelsey's game is not played. And obviously there should be rules to this, standards here. The backup slash alternate must be on the manager's roster, of course. Can't be just some free agent that you declare. And it must be the same position, obviously, as the player who you'd be starting him over. So in this case, Travis Kelsey tied in. So you need to have a backup that's a tight end, unless you have him in the flex spot, which in which case can be running back receiver or tight end. And the backup also must be designated to the league uh, or your commissioner prior to that backup player's kickoff. Right, You don't want any retroactivity there. The commissioner should also disseminate everybody's backups to the league so everyone has notice in the league. So there's no controversy after the fact. And if the game is played, then whoever is in the starting lineup is scored, like period. And if the game is postponed past the scoring week where there's a forfeit or cancellation, then the commissioner should adjust the scores by adding the backup player's score to that total. Now, where it gets tricky is... If they move that game, they postpone the game forward so the game's not for that week, but then they end up having that player's bye weeks there, and then you have a backup scoring in the bye weeks, and that's actually not that tricky because that's actually how it should be anyway. But I've heard arguments on both sides of the aisle about this from the fantasy football community, and a lot of people think that you know we knew what we signed up for, that chaos would ensue, and we should just make adjustments like based on what we know and take risks based on or assess risk, at least, based on the information that we have, like just like other weeks with injuries, for example, and that we shouldn't change a thing. And that's the minority opinion, but it's out there. A lot of leagues are doing that. Several of my leagues are doing that in leagues that I don't commission. And I I personally can't stand making rules during the season or having votes during the season, like impromptu things, because I, I I'm firmly of the belief that great commissioners can foresee certain controversies and nip them in the bud before they even happen, actually. So not even nip in the bud. Just eliminate them before they even happen. Like, there should be rules in place for your league if there's a stat correction like three weeks after the fact that changes the result. What happens in your league there? You just go with the stat correction or not? There should be rules in place where somebody accidentally drops a player onto waivers, and they don't mean to drop, I don't know, Pat Mahomes. Well, let's say it's not on an undroppable list. Let's say it's like they don't mean to drop... Josh Allen, for example, and they meant to drop another player, but their computer messed up or whatever. What's the situation there? Do you put them back on the team? How long do they have to tell you that it was a mistake? What do you do when a team like unloads their roster because they give up? They let all the players over to on a free agency and potential playoff teams add them. What do you do when what do you do when there's a, a ripoff trade that looks like collusion, like right before the playoffs? And you ask them, hey, what was up with that deal? And they say, I don't know, I just felt like it. You know, and it's like a total ripoff that affects the competitive balance. 
like way beyond just like a one-sided trade. I'm talking like a total ripoff. Do you have a system in place for that? Or are you just going to ride with it and just say, well, too bad, so sad? What do you do when somebody puts somebody in an IR spot and they end up playing? Do you have a penalty for that? For hoarding players in the IR spot when they're actually not out? All this kind of stuff is what good commissioners really foresee. And they make rules in advance. And they make penalties in advance. So if this happens, then this happens. And this happens, this is how we react. That way they don't have to deal with stuff like this. And that's normally my opinion. Like I hate when people have votes during the season to deal with controversies. That stuff should have been voted on and and foreseen before the season. But I just disagree with that here. This just this year. Uh, I'm making exception and because I think saying that this year is like every other year or that these weeks are unpredictable like every other week, just playing it like it's normal, I just think that's living in straight denial. I think it's just ignoring reality. This is absolutely unprecedented. We may never experience this much uncertainty about games being played in our entire lifetime again. And I think it's partly just being lazy as a commissioner if you don't implement like a backup or alternative rule like this. But mostly, I just think it's unfair. I think commissioners should strive for league parity and fairness and competitive balance. So I'm incorporating the backup rules in my leagues for that scenario. And I did it unilaterally. Right, I don't. I didn't personally have any Chiefs or Patriots last week's on my team, so it didn't really affect me in the leagues I commissioned. But I did it unilaterally without a league vote because league votes are always going to be biased. People are always at the time going to say, "Well, does my opponent have a Chief or Patriots? Well, I don't want them to have to be able to have a backup, or do I have a Chiefs Patriot, etc." You can't have league votes during the season because inherent bias is always in play. So you have to make the call as a commissioner. I think the right call is to allow alternatives backup because I think it's an unprecedented situation. So I'm incorporating the backup rules in my leagues for that scenario that I described above. But if you don't want to play that way, then don't play that way. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way. Break. But that all being said, I'm not going overkill with this kind of stuff. Like I'm not adding extra bench spots or IR spots. I mean, I already added extra IR spots in case Corona would affect my league. My leagues all have three IR spots. So I guess I'm not opposed to adding IR spots. If if your league has none or one, and then the whole entire league just wants it and everyone agrees, then yeah, if your platform allows that, go for it. But I'm not adding any bench spots or anything like that. I just think that you don't want to do a rule that affects just a few teams. And the backup rule may affect every team because several teams are going to be experiencing this, in my opinion. We may get two more this week. And if you haven't implemented you know, standards for how your league's going to declare a champion and after how many weeks, like this is stuff I talked about in my podcast before the season, like good commissioners, like foreshadowing things. We could foresee a situation where the season is shortened or abbreviated or even canceled altogether. And so in all my leagues, I said, okay, week 10, once we're in week 10, we can declare a champion, and it's whoever's first in points, whoever's the most points in week 10 is going to be declared the champion, but no prize allocation is going to be like any, any no money distribution is going to be had if the season is canceled or abbreviated after week 10. But we will declare a champion if it's after week 10. And if the playoffs start, like if it's week 15 or 16 or something, and the league is canceled, or they just skip the last two weeks to get everyone healthy for the playoffs or whatever, then... You know, same situation. Whoever has the most points in the playoffs 
or among the playoff teams, like whoever's remaining, whoever's not been eliminated yet, like if you only have two teams left and the season's canceled, then y'all, y'all can split the pot. You can do whatever. But if you if playoffs just started and they cancel, whoever's the most points among the playoff teams who made the playoffs, and then we'll just distribute the, the payout you know, evenly between all the teams that are not eliminated yet. So that's how we're doing it in my leagues. But if you haven't done anything like that, you know, now's the time to probably get on the ball there if you're the commissioner or to talk to your commissioner about that scenario. How many weeks need to be played until you designate a commission? I mean, designate a champion. So that's important here. Um, but your commissioner, you know, depending on the backup rule or whatever, they may be more aggressive than I am, or most likely they may be more conservative than just say, "Hey, you know, too bad, so sad, play on." But I've made my stance on that clear. I think it's a little lazy, and I think it's a little weak. I think it's failing to understand the gravity of the situation. So there's my long, massive intro to today's show, and it's mostly somber news. And today's show, I'm going to recap three games from week four. I forgot to get to the Bears-Colts game on my last episode, I noticed, when I was breaking down the Sunday slate for week four. So Colts-Bears will be done, and then I'll detail the two Monday Night Football games. And after that, I'm going to reveal my top 180 players that should be rostered right now in standard 12-team leagues, because I get a lot of questions. Who should I drop? Who should I add this week? Is it safe to cut bait on so-and-so? Hey, I see player X in free agency. Should I add him? And I'm going to hope all of this or my segment in a couple of minutes answers those questions. I'm going to give you my top 180 players that should be rostered in fantasy football leagues. But first, let's knock out those recaps. The Green Bay Packers improved to 4-0 by crushing the lowly Falcons 30-16 in Atlanta. And the Falcons are 0-4 now, and they're not looking too good. And Aaron Rodgers is looking very good. 327 passing yards for him, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Devontae Adams was out for this game. And like everybody who's faced the Falcons defense so far, Rodgers just put on a clinic on Monday night, even without a stud receiver. He completed 27 of 33 passes. He, he threw 25 and 26 touchdowns in each of the last two seasons. He already has 13 through the first quarter of the season, and he has zero interceptions to boot. And he found tight end Robert Tanyan, six targets, six catches, 80, or sorry, 98 yards, and three touchdowns, all three TDs in the red zone. And Rodgers just cooking right now. I know Robert Tanyan, you know, popular waiver wire ad. And yeah, I, I support adding Robert Tanyan. I think the tight end position is a barren wasteland right now. It's weak as it is every single year. They always, it's just like clockwork that experts are like, oh, this is going to be the deepest year at tight end in a long time. Never works. Like that's been said like for the last seven years, I feel like. And the tight end is never deep. There's always injuries. They always suck. But Robert Tanyan right now is the number one tight end in fantasy football, believe it or not. So is it a little touchdown fluky? Yes. He's not going to be scoring a touchdown in every game. Devontae Adams definitely going to take some targets back from Robert Tanyan. But they keep in mind, Alan Rizard out for the Lazard King. He is out indefinitely. So Robert Tanyan might be this team's second leading receiver, I guess maybe Aaron Jones there, and Jamal Williams, I should say, uh, as we saw on Monday night. He had a lot of receptions. He had eight catches in that game, for, I think, for like 90 yards. But, but basically, I think Robert Tanyan is here to stay. And I think he's going to finish as a top 10 tight end. Probably not a top 5 tight end, but we'll see. I definitely think he should be rostered on 12-team leagues, which I will talk about in a second. Devontae Adams, he was out for this game. Aaron Jones, 15 rushes, 71 rushing yards. No rushing touchdowns, but of course he got in the end zone like he always does. He scores in every single game. He has every single week this uh, year. He has 6 touchdowns through 4 games. And he had 5 catches for 40 yards and 1 touchdown in this game. 
And Jamal Williams had eight catches in this game, continues to have an important role, but Jones is a touchdown scoring machine on a great offense with a 4-0 team. He is probably a top three valuable fantasy asset in all of fantasy football. Moving on to the Falcons here, Matt Ryan, not so good. Very bad game for Matt Ryan. He looked off as heck. 285 passing yards. A lot of that was just in negative game scripts here because they were trailing all game. The Falcons just didn't put up any fight whatsoever. Zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. He has not thrown for 300 yards in his last three games, Matt Ryan hasn't. And since that week one um, great game that he had where he threw for like 450 yards. And his receivers were dealing with hamstring issues. And both were questionable going into this game. Julio Jones, he exited midway through the game. And I think Julio Jones is going to be rested for like the next two or three weeks uh, to get that hamstring right. So I'd be very concerned if I had Julio Jones, uh, maybe even trying to trade low. And then Matt Ryan, he just made another Ill, made a number of ill-advised throws through multiple defenders. He was lucky not to be picked off like multiple times in this game. It was just a pretty ugly showing for the Falcons in general, except for Todd Gurley. Sixteen rushes, fifty-seven rushing yards with two rushing touchdowns, one catch for six yards. Gurley scored the only Falcons touchdowns in this game from runs from five and three yards out, and he now has four touchdowns through four games. Way better than I thought Gurley would be, despite the low rushing total, which I expected, and despite the non-existent pass game usage, which I expected. I just didn't think Todd Gurley had it in him to find the end zone this much, but we. Or I should have expected this because this is exactly what happened with the Rams last year. Todd Gurley had like 14 total touchdowns last year, but had barely any catches and just really stunk in the rushing yardage department. Like the touchdowns saved his bacon, and that's what's looking like it's happening right here. The guy just has a nose for an end zone, and the coaches just like giving it to him in goal-to-go situations. So Todd Gurley, every week running back number two. Hayden Hurst, six targets, four catches, 51 yards. He's just kind of a back-end tight end one. I think his role will increase as the season goes on, and as Julio Jones may miss games, the Falcons receivers dealing with hamstring issues. But it was kind of an upsetting game, honestly, only the 51 yards with the Falcons trailing all game with the receiver issues. But just be patient with Hayden Hurst. I don't think he's a drop just yet. Uh, Calvin Ridley, goose egg, massive goose egg, was just not even, just barely, just didn't play, basically. Zero points. And Ridley was questionable with a hamstring pull, and he just saw lockdown coverage by Jair Alexander, who's just playing great football right now, cornerback for the Packers. And Julio Jones exited with his own hamstring injury, so Ridley was just kind of the focus of the defense. And I think Ridley is actually better, puts up better fantasy numbers when Julio plays than when he doesn't plays. And But this was just an obvious disappointment. Russell Gage, two catches, 22 yards. He didn't do much either. He is on the fringe of being rosterable in 12-team leagues. Although if Julio Jones does miss time, and that's reported, that's just what I think is going to happen. If that becomes official, then Russell Gage will uh, be somebody you would want to roster in 12-team formats. And again, Julio Jones, he exited, but he did have four catches, 32 yards in this game on four targets before exiting. Moving on to the... Kansas City Chiefs, they beat the Cam Newton-less Patriots 26-10. This was a pretty boring affair here. Pat Mahomes did not play well at all. In fact, his numbers, his box score numbers, are way better than the way he played in this game. He had several dropped interceptions, and both of his touchdowns were just literally tosses forward. Like, he literally tossed the ball to a player just so happened to be forward. Thanks, Andy Reid, for that. 
Um, so it counts as a pass, but it was just basically a toss, and his receivers did all the work to find to get to the end zone. But 236 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions from Holmes. Again, he could have had three. The Patriots just kind of held on to the ball for a long portion of this game. The Chiefs only played 56 snaps in this game. The Patriots did a good job of playing keep away for a large part of this game until like midway through the third quarter, where they were able to use their running game and just kind of keep the ball out of the Chiefs' offense hand. Their defense, the Patriots' defense, held strong for like 45 minutes in this game. But in the in, at the end of the day, Brian Hoyer, the three interceptions, it was too many turnovers, and Pat Mahomes eventually took advantage of that to get his two scores. Uh, Tyreek Hill caught one of those scores, six targets, four catches, 64 receiving yards, one touchdown. What's so interesting about Tyreek Hill is that going into this year, Tyreek Hill has always been a boom or bust play. Like he had so many inconsistent and really poor weeks in the past years, like where he'd have like two catches for 31 yards. And then the next week he'd have seven catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. And that's been him his entire career. But this year we haven't seen any blow up games and we've seen no bad games either. It's always like 60 yards and a touch on like five catches, which is not, which is pretty good. That's a good game. So Tyreek Hill, you know, he was actually held in check for the most part in this game. Uh, he had a 22-yard catch and the Chiefs touchdown on the opening drive. And Mahomes only dropped back 29 times. But after that, after the opening drive, Tyreek Hill basically did nothing in this game. Sammy Watkins, 43 yards on four catches. Eh, I don't know. I don't think he's really uh, somebody who needs to be rostered. Maybe it's time to pick up McCall Hardman. Two good games in a row for Hardman. Only four catches, 27 yards, but he scored in the last two Games in a row, the Chiefs manufactured a touch for him by getting that six-yard shovel pass that he took around the edge and punched into the end zone. So maybe it's time, you know, if you have an extra bin spot to pick up McCall Hardman there. Maybe his role will increase. He was always going to be a slow play anyway, but still I think it might take an injury to Demarcus Robinson or uh, Sammy Watkins or Tyreek Hill for uh, McCall Hardman to hit. Travis Kelsey, eh, a little ho-hum here. Uh, Six targets, three catches, 70 yards. Belichick. You know, after limiting Darren Waller last week and shutting, actually, I shouldn't say limiting. He limited Travis Kelsey in this game. He shut down Darren Waller. So the Patriots, just a tough team to defend if you have an elite tight end. Uh, I mean, a tough team to go against if you have an elite tight end. And Belichick successfully schemed Travis Kelsey out of this game uh, until Kelsey exploded for like a 50-yard catch in the third quarter. He didn't do much after that. Clyde Edwards-Elair, the Fresh Prince, not worthy of the soundbite today. 20 carries, which is great, but only 64 yards. So a little over three a pop. Not that good. No touchdowns in this game, but he did have five catches for 70 yards. The receptions have been great lately for Clyde Edwards-Elair. The touchdowns just haven't been there. And he's been used in the red zone, but tonight just a few short touchdowns to Tyreek Hill and... McCall Hardman. Darrell Williams only had one carry in this game, and Darrell Williams only had 15 snaps compared to Clyde Edwards Elaire's 41. So he's got the role. He's on the right offense. There's just things are just, just aren't breaking his way. The Patriots played strong defense and they uh they played keep away on offense, and the Chiefs only ran 56 snaps, like I said, but 64 yards back to back games for Clyde Edwards Elaire. And actually I want to make a correction. I mentioned that he had seven Five catches for 70 yards. That is incorrect. I was actually reading his week three game log there, or his week three result. He actually had three catches, 64 yards in both games rushing, and zero touchdowns in both games, but three catches for 27 yards. So, yeah, it was, it was a pretty weak day for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I wouldn't panic yet because he is getting the role, the workload that we want, and he has the role we want as a lead back on this Chiefs offense. All right, let's move on to the Patriots side of the ball. 
Cam Newton did not play in this game, so Brian, Brian Hoyer started, uh, and Jared Stidham finished. And it was, neither were very good. Stidham was a little better than Hoyer. Hoyer was just, oh gosh, he just held onto the ball for so long. I honestly think with decent quarterback play, uh, with the way the Patriots defense played in this game, I honestly believe that if Cam Newton was playing in that game, the Patriots would have won. They would have upset the Chiefs. But that is neither here nor there. Julian Edelman, yuck. One of the worst games that I've seen all season for any player in fantasy football has been Julian Edelman's week four here. Six targets, three catches, 35 yards. And the three incompletions that went in uh, Edelman's direction were all drops. One of the drops was turned into a Tyran Matthew pick six. It just landed right in his hand. At 34 years old, Edelman now has six drops on the season, which leads the league in drops. And I don't know, things just aren't the same with Cam Newton, but he had a bad game with Cam Newton the week before, but I'm not panicking. I'm not dropping Edelman yet. I think better days will be ahead with Cam Newton, but that may not be this week as Cam Newton, I think, is going to get ruled out again against Denver if that game's even played. But yeah, Edelman, a gross performance in this game. Nikhil Harry in this game, six targets, three catches, 21 yards, one touchdown. He had the touchdown late. I don't know. Nikhil Harry just doesn't look very impressive. Uh, I guess we should wait until Cam Newton comes back because that's where his upside is really going to be. But I think he's kind of borderline right now whether we should be rostering him in 12-team leagues. The real story of this game was Damian Harris. He kind of put, or I should say he kind of took over Sony Michelle's role, literally because he Michelle was inactive in this game. And Damian Harris, it was his first game of the year coming off that hand injury. He missed the first three games of the year. And Harris had 17 carries, 100 yards in this game. One of it was he showed a little bit of burst on his 41-yard touchdown. I'm sorry, his 41-yard run. And that was his long. He had played, did nothing in the passing game. James White, three carries, 21 yards, but eight targets in this game, seven catches, 38 yards. And Rex Burkhead, 11 carries, 45 yards. So Burkhead is back to being just pretty much the third string running back behind James White, behind Damian Harris. It seems like Damian Harris and James White are probably the only backs worth rostering on the New England Patriots. I'm just never going to stop ranting about this stuff because I just think fantasy football needs like a huge overhaul on how the game is scored, like the settings, like the default settings, like all of these major platforms and the default leagues, they just need a swift kick to the rear and like get with the times here. They're like, I wish, I honestly wish that the leagues, that fantasy leagues would allow for like allow you to score point per first down and that kind of thing, like or allow you to have uh, dock players for or points for drops, but you don't even get that option. Like it's one thing that the default settings don't do that, but they don't even give you that option to do it in your leagues if you want to, which I just think is so ludicrous for the worldwide leaders in fantasy football, Yahoo, ESPN, whatever. It's just so crazy, and I actually think that that the fantasy industry is is going to change drastically when somebody who has more influence and in, and in, in power and followers and than I do realizes all this and says, whoa, I mean, we are playing in a really outdated scoring. Like fantasy football just kind of makes no sense, you know, starting one quarterback and all these other things that I've just talked about. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. I will not go any further. Let's talk about, let's get back to the game here. The Indianapolis Colts, they defeated the Chicago Bears in a very boring game, 19 to 11. That is odd. Phil Rivers, 190 passing yards, one touchdown. Did not do much in that game. The field goal, Rodrigo Blockenship dominating on those field goals. The Colts have had three straight games, basically, where they've used their great defense 
and running game to win these games, and they haven't even needed the passing game. His t- Phil Rivers touchdown, for what it's worth, went to Mo Alley Cox for the second straight week. The tight end there. The Colts ran the ball 35 times in this game. Uh, T.Y. Hilton obviously suffered in the box scores because of that. A lot of people are going to be dropping T.Y. Hilton this week. Uh, I think he still is worth a roster spot, but probably not in starting lineups until he shows that he can get it together. Uh, but five targets, three catches, 29 yards, very piss-poor performance for T.Y. Hilton. That's his fourth straight, so yikes. He's on pace for 52 catches and 60 or 648 scoreless yards this year. So that is pathetic. Jonathan Taylor in this game, a pretty weak outing here. 17 rushes, 68 rushing yards, one catch, 11 yards. Taylor only handled half of the Colts' 35 carries, 17 to be exact. And it was once again a run-heavy, defensive-oriented game that the Colts controlled throughout, so you would think Taylor would have a good game script here. But he's kind of missing holes. He is a rookie, and he's he's thinking a little too much. He's not playing as fast as he can, in, in my opinion. And Frank Wright, you know, he's pulling him in and out of the game, which isn't helping because Taylor is more of a workhorse. He, he's got a guy who's like... Derrick Henry, he needs, he gets better as the game goes on and the defense wears down, uh, but he'll likely find his groove. I wouldn't worry about John Taylor. I still think he's a top 12 asset in fantasy football right now. Naeem Hines, not so much. Uh, he was more involved in this game. Three catches, but only eight yards receiving, 24 yards rushing on nine attempts. Jordan Wilkins also got like nine attempts in this game and averaged like 1.5 yards a carry. It was pretty pathetic. I don't know why they give him the ball at all. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears side of the ball. And that is, let's see, I don't want to talk about Nick Foles. Let's talk about Allen Robinson. 10 targets, 7 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. He had another good game. But a lot of this was in garbage time, so beware there. Um, Nick Foles, Allen Robinson, they didn't really do much until really like the last drive with one minute remaining, you know, down 19-3. Allen Robinson high-pointed a pass over a defender and got both feet in for a beautiful garbage time touchdown. And, you know, Nick Foles just kind of peppered A-Rob in comeback mode, but they just did nothing until then. So I'd be pretty worried if I have Allen Robinson, maybe a sell-high time, maybe. But the Bears will get some garbage time. David Montgomery obviously game-scripted out. It's like he is every single week because the Bears are never winning. They're 3-1, and one, but somehow they're never winning in these games. They're always coming from behind. And David Montgomery is game-scripted out for that reason. Ew, David. At least this time without Tariq Cohen, he was able to keep playing on passing downs. He saw a career high in snaps with 53 and career high in targets with six. He had three catches for 30 yards, but he only had 10 rushes for 27 yards. This was a brutal matchup against the Colts. But David Montgomery, I mean, man, it's just been really frustrating for Montgomery this year. He looks healthy. It's just the Bears just can't open up any holes, and they're just always losing. I mean, they just the quarterback play... It's almost like defenses know when Montgomery's going to get the ball, and they just don't respect Foles or Trubisky enough. They just stack the box. I mean, Montgomery has nowhere to run, but at least he's been used in the passing game a little bit more. I would say that, you know, things will get a lot better for David Montgomery, but I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith there, especially this week against Tampa Bay. Okay, let's get to my top 170 players that should be rostered in fantasy football leagues. This is meant, or it's designed for a standard 12-team competitive league and default settings on plat- platform like 0.5 PPR, PPR. And this exercise is just to cut any dead weight on your roster. Like if I don't say a player's name, then that means you should probably cut them if you have them for another player that I do name at the same position. And the order that I list these players is very rough. 
Like I try to do general value, but it's not, I didn't actually spend any time trying to really put these guys in order of season long value. Um, but you'll notice that it typically does go from high, like most valuable to least valuable. Uh, but trust me, I, I promise that I didn't spend any time trying to like get this exactly right or anything like that. I mainly focused on the end where kind of the cutoff is on whether players should be in free agency or whether they should be on rosters in 12-team leagues. So, and, th- and things can change if you have like an IR spot or two. And I'll note that with some players. Like a guy like maybe Paris Campbell, if you have a free IR spot, maybe Alan Lazard even, obviously Nick Chubb and Eckler, then they're going to obviously, you can roster them without penalty. However, if they don't have an IR spot, then it's probably okay to cut bait with a guy like Paris Campbell or, or Alan Lazard. Uh, so anyway, let's go by position here. Quarterbacks. Uh, I'll just say them in order. Dak Prescott, Pat Mahomes, Russ Wilson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson. That's kind of the top 12. You know, I throw Ryan Tannehill in there some weeks. Big Ben in there. Drew Brees, streamable as well. Justin Herbert is streamable, as we've learned. Matt Stafford, streamable. Um, This is where it kind of gets a little sketchy. Uh, Gardner Minshew, I still think he definitely should be rostered. He's streamable. And when I say streaming ball, I just mean you're able to play them on good matchups, but normally you would sit them. Uh, Jared Goff, same situation there. Carson Wentz, I've seen him dropped in a couple leagues. I do think he's worth a hold in 12-team leagues. His receivers are only going to get healthier, and he's given us the rushing floor that we need. His last two games have looked much uglier in real life than they have in the fantasy box scores. So Carson Wentz, I do think he's a hold in 12-team leagues. Um, Derek Carr. I think he's kind of right on the borderline. I would say he should be rostered by somebody in 12-team leagues. doesn't have to be you. That's the other thing. Like, if you have a player in free agency you really want and you have a great quarterback, like let's say you have Russ Wilson, yeah, there's no reason to have Carson Wentz on your team. There's other players in free agency for Wilson's bye week. But this is just in general. This is not necessarily for you. It's just in general for who should be rostered in 12-team leagues by somebody. But it doesn't have to be you. Every team is different. But Derek Carr probably should be rostered in 12-team leagues. Teddy Bridgewater right now should be rostered in 12-team leagues because he plays Atlanta this week and he is streamable. And even if it's not you, you can prevent somebody else who may be going against you to play that that good matchup there. But 22 quarterbacks I just named, and that's where I kind of cut it off. I think the cusp of players who may should be rostered sometimes, Ryan Fitzpatrick on a good matchup, Phillip Rivers, uh, not really. He hasn't really done much. Daniel Jones, maybe this week he plays the Cowboys. Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, those guys are kind of fringe as well. I wouldn't argue if any of those were in free agency. Obviously, this is for one quarterback leagues, not Superflex, because Superflex, all of those and more are going to be rostered. This is for one quarterback leagues that for 12-team leagues. So if you're in a 10-team league, yeah, maybe a couple of those guys, especially the guys I named at the end, should be in free agency. Uh, moving on to running backs, Alvin Kamara, obviously, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, Kareem Hunt, Miles Sanders, Christian McCaffrey. That's kind of my top 10 right there. Josh Jacobs, Chris Carson, James Robinson, Joe Mixon, Melvin Gordon, Antonio Gibson, James Conner, Todd Gurley, Raheem Mostert, David Johnson, Kenyon Drake, Le'Veon Bell. He comes back from injury soon, uh, maybe this week. Uh, Derek McKinnon, Joshua Kelly. Those are kind of like my RB2s on a given week. Uh, Daryl Henderson, Ronald Jones, Devin Singletary, David Montgomery. Mike Davis has one or two more weeks of uh, being an RB1, honestly, because he's been great. Nick Chubb and Austin Eckler, they should 
B roster, do not cut them, uh, especially if an IR spot, then it's easy. But even if you don't, they should be back by like week 10, week 11, and they could help you win your league. Um, and if you don't want to roster them, I would try to trade them if you just can't afford to hold them for that long. Uh, Cam Akers is coming back soon from his injury. He should be rostered. Miles Gaskin should definitely be rostered, even though he was kind of a no-name before the season. Make sure he's not in free agency. He's the starting running back for the Dolphins. DeAndre Swift, make sure he's not cut. DeAndre Swift is going to have a strong second half of the season if I had to make a prediction. And I think he's a great buy-low candidate right now. Uh, it looks like Carryon Johnson is going to get phased out of this offense, and he'll be the passing down compliment to Adrian Peterson. Damian Harris should definitely be rostered. So if he's make sure he's not in your free agency. He had a good game against the Chiefs, 100 yards on 17 carries for Harris, and I think he's going to take Sony Michelle's job, and he's going to be better than Sony Michelle. Malcolm Brown, sometimes a starting running back for the Rams, sometimes not with Daryl Henderson. Both he, Henderson, and Akers should all be rostered until we get more clarity out of this situation because that Rams backfield, if one of them you know, loses out on the job or gets hurt, uh, the other two would be relevant in a good system there, a run-first system, unfortunately, and uh, a system that likes to feed the running backs in the red zone. Adrian Peterson, you know, he's washed up pretty much, but he should be rostered. He's getting the volume to be rostered in 12-team leagues. Mark Ingram, yeah, yikes. It's tough to start him on a given week, but I'm going to say he should be rostered. And then I'm going to get to some handcuffs here. These handcuffs, look, they're not. you're not starting these guys, okay? But they should definitely be rostered. And I, like towards the end of your ro- roster, you should have some of these guys like this to where if they blow up, they're going to be potential league winners for you. And you should make sure none of these guys are in free agency to where, like, if one injury happens, something happened, you could literally, you know, they would be potential RB1s or RB2s. Just make sure that a lot of these guys get, you know, slipped through the cracks because people don't want to hold on to somebody who's not producing points and who are clear backups right now. But trust me, these guys are more valuable than a guy who's scoring, like, I don't know, seven PPR points a week. Okay? So I'm going to say Alexander Madison – definitely should be on rosters in 12-team leagues. Latavius Murray, if something were to happen to Kamara, yes, definitely Latavius Murray should be rostered. Chase Edmonds, if something were to happen to Kenyon Drake, definitely should be rostered. Chase Edmonds is only rostered in like 50% of ESPN leagues. That's crazy. Chase Edmonds should be rostered in all 12-team formats. Uh, Tony Pollard, definitely rosterable. I mean, not rosterable. He should be rostered in 12-team formats. If something happens to Zeke, he's going to be huge. Uh, and then I'll get away from the handcuffs for a bit, but I also want to include Jamal Williams in there. If something happened to Aaron Jones, that would be big. Naeem Hines, not really a handcuff, but he should be rostered in PPR formats. Devonta Freeman definitely should be rostered. He's the starting running back for the Giants going forward. Uh, I would actually roster him over a couple of the players I just mentioned. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, look, I know he's not doing much. I know he's the third back on the Ravens right now, but I think he's a hold. Gus Edwards, you can make that same argument for him. Uh, and he's in a lot of free agencies. But if something were to happen to Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards would be very valuable. Uh, Dearness Johnson and Justin Jackson, they should have been picked up in your leagues, although not for much. That's one of the reasons that I didn't feel it was necessary to do a waiver wire show because there's just no free agents I really, really wanted uh, who are available in most leagues. Uh, but obviously, if guys like Chase Edmonds and stuff are available, you should be picking them up. Uh, Darrell Williams, another handcuff. He should probably be rostered in 12-team leagues. James White should be as well. And that's kind of the cusp. Not necessarily James White in particular, but Darrell Williams, I would say, is kind of the cusp of these 12-team leagues. Players that may be rostered or may should potentially be rostered, Gio Bernard, Joe Mixon's handcuff, um, Phil Lindsay, Boston Scott, Rex Burkhead, I guess, uh, Duke Johnson maybe, David Johnson's handcuff. Maybe they'll get him more involved with the new coach. You know, I, I don't really know, but those are the guys that are probably will be in free agency in my leagues, but maybe worth a shot if you just have an extra roster space to kill. 
Wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, Terry McLaurin, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf, Calvin Ridley, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Lockett. Those are all kind of like your receiver ones, even though I named 15 there. Uh, Judy Smith-Schuster, DJ Chark, Will Fuller, Odell Beckham, Robert Woods, Robbie Anderson, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Parker, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, Justin Jefferson. Those are kind of your wide receiver two. Tyler Boyd, I'll throw in there. Julio Jones, obviously, I, I'm saving him for later because I just don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, Jamison Crowder, Tyler Boyd. I think I mentioned Tyler Boyd already. D.J. Moore, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, Jerry Judy, T.Y. Hilton, Julian Edelman, Debo Samuel. He just came back from an injury. Make sure Debo Samuel's not on your waiver wire. If you're in a 12-team format, T. Higgins, make sure he's not as well. Jarvis Landry, Michael Gallup, Emmanuel Sanders, Scotty Miller. Uh, I think Miller's worth a hold right now. Uh, for going into this Thursday night game with Chris Godwin out. We don't know how long Chris Godwin's going to be out. It could be this week, could be this week and next week. And even if he's not, they just lost O.J. Howard. That's a target there. Scotty Miller seems to have a good rapport with Tom Brady. He's worth a spot in some on somebody's 12-team league um, or somebody's 12-team league team. Uh, John Brown, Brandon Ayuk, definitely worth a pickup there. Hunter Renfro, definitely worth a pickup with the Raiders receiver injuries. McCall Hardman, also worth a pickup. Uh, with two good games in a row. I talked about him earlier in the show. Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard are the only Giants receivers I would have. I don't think Golden Tate is really worth rostering. Henry Ruggs, especially if an IR spot, Henry Ruggs, worth rostering. And I'm going to say Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, because of all the Eagles receivers, yeah, just take a fly on them. He may be washed, but he might not be. He might turn into the Eagles' number one receiver. Deshaun Jackson, and that's kind of right where I have the cusp here of of receivers. I'm going to name someone, some players who are on a lot of teams that probably should be cut, honestly, uh, if there's better options in free agency. Corey Davis with A.J. Brown coming back, um, although I'm okay with holding him. Traquan Smith with Michael Thomas coming back. If you want to wait one week to make sure Thomas plays, that's fine, but the Saints have a bye week after that. So if Michael Thomas plays this week, then Traquan Smith can be cut. A.J. Green, I'm honestly okay with cutting him. You can see if Somebody wants to trade like a defense or something for him and try to upgrade defense, but I don't know. I'm okay with cutting A.J. Green. I think he's washed. Nikhil Harry, uh, he's borderline. Brandon Cooks, you can cut. Golden Tate, you can cut. Marvin Jones, you can probably cut. Uh, Sammy Watkins, you can probably cut. Curtis Sam, you can probably cut. Greg Ward, you can probably cut as well. So moving on to tight end, uh, I have 18 tight ends. Not everyone in your 12-team league should have a backup tight end. I don't think that's necessary. Some of these guys just put up like three points a week. And you can just stream the position during your tight ends bye week if you have like a guy like Travis Kelsey. But Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, Robert Tanyan, uh, Noah Fant. That's kind of like my top eight of tight ends. Uh, after that, it's just kind of a crapshoot, really. Zach Ertz, Evan Ingram, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, TJ Hawkinson, Jared Cook. He'll be higher when he comes back. Jimmy Graham. Dalton Schultz should be added in 12-team leagues. Mike Jasicki, Rob Gronkowski should be added in 12-team leagues now that O.J. Howard has torn his Achilles. Uh, but, you know, I think there's several tight ends in free agency that are probably, or several tight ends even on people's rosters because people like to keep two tight ends for whatever reason. But probably only about 18 tight ends should be rostered in 12-team formats. Uh, so kickers, I'm going to go through my top 14 here. And I'm giving 14 kickers instead of 12. Normally, everyone should be holding one kicker, of course. But sometimes there's bye weeks and you want to hold on to your kicker. I understand that if you have an elite kicker and you just want to have him for the rest of the year, not worry about the position. Um, I understand having two kickers in your roster for your kicker's bye week. 
And some people in your league just have two kickers just for the fun of it. So, I mean, if you're trying to get a backup kicker or a kicker in free agency that I haven't named, then you might have a tougher time because people are just hoarding two kickers. So I'm just going to name 14 here instead of 12. Justin Tucker, Harrison Butt kicker. That's the Chiefs kicker, Harrison Butker. Uh, Rodrigo Blockenship, he's been drilling field goals lately. Will Lutz, Mason Crosby, Robbie Gould, Zane Gonzalez, Matt Prater. He's on bye this week. I'm okay if you want to keep Prater because he's been uh, he's solid, and the Lions offense will only get better. Greg the Leg Zerline, I'm giving him one more shot against the Giants here because he's been really piss poor this year. I thought he was going to be very good, but if he doesn't produce against the Giants this week, he's going to be cut. Randy Bullock, he's the kicker number one right now for the Bengals, thanks to Joe Burrow, improvement of the offense. Uh, Jason Myers for Seattle. That's a lot of extra points there, but eventually those will revert to field goals or regress to field goals. Steven Goskowski, he was putting up big numbers in the two games before his bye week, and he's already had his bye week, which is a plus for a kicker. Daniel Carlson for the Raiders and Ryan Suckup for the Bucks. So those are the 14 kickers worth rostering in 12-team leagues. Uh, I'll give 14 defenses as well. Same situation there. You might have a defense on bye, or people might be holding out your defenses, so you need more in free agency. Whatever. I'll give 14 defenses and 14 kickers, so that's how, about how much I think should be rostered in a given week on a 12-team league. Colts, number one. Steelers, number two. Bucks, number three. Then the Niners, Ravens, Rams, Chiefs, Patriots. Then there's kind of a drop-off. That's my top eight right there. Um, Saints, Bills, uh, they've been pretty bad this year, but they've had some injuries, and I think they're worth rostering just because of their talent. Uh, hopefully their schedule will soften up soon. Uh, Bronco, and after this, it's just more people just streaming defenses each week. So um, I would say Broncos against the New England Patriots this week with Brian Hoyer or Jared Sidham at quarterback. Broncos should be rostered right now. Arizona Cardinals should be rostered right now because they face Joe Flacco and the Jets. Sam Donald's been ruled out for that game. Uh, the Chargers should be rostered. They should not be started this week because they play the Saints, but the Chargers should be rostered just because they have a really good defense. And that's 13. Let me give a 14th here. I realize that I only have 13. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going to go with 13 right here. I can't come up with another defense that's probably worth rostering i'm trying to look at the matchups here and give you another streamable defense let's see oh dare i say dallas's defense against the giants oh the giants are so bad but dallas is so horrible on defense uh yeah i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say dallas's defense this week and it sounds crazy right now but i think with the way they're getting called out in the media right now i think they're gonna have a good game and what better get right spot than the new york Football Giants on offense. So, yeah, Dallas defense, if you want a streamer right there and you're desperate, uh, yeah, you can go with them. And maybe I should also mention the Tennessee Titans. Uh, they play the Bills this week, or they may have to forfeit against the Bills this week. But the next week they play Houston, and the week after that, well, actually the week after that they play the Ravens. But the Titans are talented enough to be able to justify rostering them, I should say. But anyway, that is it. So if I didn't mention your player for any of those positions, you probably can go and get a player that I did mention. So I hope that helped. I hope that exercise helped with uh, everybody at the end of their rosters. And I hope it helped with an overall assessment of value. Um, but the biggest takeaway probably is that a lot of those handcuffed running backs, the Tony Pollers, the Chase Edmonds, the Alexander Madisons, the Latavius Murrays, the um, even Darrell Williams and Jamal Williams, those kind of guys are in free agency in a lot of leagues. So you can cut the dead weight on your rosters like the Marcus Valdez-Scantlings of the league and the Greg Wards and Curtis Samuels for the chance to hit it big if there's an injury to the starter. Because you know the guys like Curtis Samuel and, and Marvin Jones and Golden Tate, Brandon Cooks, those guys, they aren't going to do anything for you. Like, what are you holding them for? Like the 
odd case where all your receivers have a buy or get hurt at the same time. I mean, that's not worth it. All of the handcuffed running backs who would be like RB2s and RB1s if their starter went down should be rostered. So that should be the main takeaway here. I don't want to see Tony Pollard or, or Chase Edmonds in any free agencies. Zach Moss, LaVisca Chanel, those are definitely two players that I left off my list that I'm realizing right now. Uh, LaVisca Chenault should definitely be rostered in 12-team formats. Zach Moss more on the borderline. He's kind of like J.K. Dobbins in that respect. But I would probably prefer Moss over Dobbins. I don't really know. But I think that Moss and LaVisca Chenault should definitely be rostered. I may have forgotten some names. And if I did, let me know. Shoot me a question, fantasylawguy.com. You can submit your question there. I'm also at fantasylawguy on all social media. So you can let me know if you think I left someone out or if you have a specific question about somebody I named or didn't name. All right, so that will conclude today's episode. If you enjoyed today's show, please do me a solid. Hit the subscribe button. Give me a positive rating or review. I really would appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. See ya.